There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The Isley Brothers performed live at Bethesda Blues and Jazz for two nights on Friday and Saturday. I spoke with Ernie Isley in 2017 when he performed at Wolf Trap to celebrate what would have been the 75th birthday of Jimi Hendrix. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Isley. Uh, thank you, Jason, for uh, the call. We're celebrating both uh, Jimmy's what would have been his 75th birthday, but it's also... Uh, a 50th anniversary of his uh, DC debut at the Ambassador Theater. Explain uh, how you got involved in this. Did did Wolf Trap reach out to you, or how did this thing come together? Well, we had uh, done uh, a tribute to Jimmy uh, last December in uh, New York, and uh, it went very well. And, uh, you know, you have a lot of folks in the audience observing and all that, and Somebody, you know, checked it out and said, you know, let's bring that uh, to another venue. And it turns out that uh, the way things work, that uh, we're able to come down to Wolf Trap uh, here in in, uh, September. So, uh, you know, they just connected the dots and, you know, pretty much got uh, everyone on the same page. And so uh, we're looking forward to uh, doing this show. That's awesome. Tell our listeners some of the other awesome acts that are going to be on stage with you and uh, how excited you are to play with some of those guys. Okay, off the top of my head, I know there's Fishbone. I know there's uh, Nona Hendrix. There's uh, Vernon Reed. After that, it starts to blur a little bit. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but... <laughs> I have to be reading off a piece of paper, but it's going to be, it's gonna be uh, quite a few folks in that can look forward to a Dynamite show. That's so cool. Um, I can, uh, I, I see, I have the set list here and I see you guys are opening with, uh, fire, which is awesome. And closing with purple haze, uh, explain why you chose to open and close with those and maybe some of what else we might hear in between. Well, I know that, uh, those are two of the original signature tunes from the, uh, are you experienced, uh, album, which, uh, was out, uh, in 67, uh, you know, 50 years ago. And um, their signature tunes in reference to uh, Jimmy. Uh, not only did he play them, but he wrote them. And uh, I think it's a good way to, uh, you know, start the party. Um, I know we're going to be doing uh, two Isley songs that he uh, first, when he was first got into the studio period, he was with uh, the Isley Brothers, mm-hmm. and we're going to be doing uh, "Testify," which was his very first recording. He took a guitar solo on it, and there was uh, "Move Over and Let Me Dance." So, um, but uh, you know, to be 
starting off with fire and ending with purple haze. That's kind of like the the ribbon on a uh, big uh, box of chocolates as far <laughs> as his, his catalog and his his music goes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I saw some interview. Was it was it CBS Sunday Morning or something where you were talking about when you when you uh, you when the Isley, you guys with the Isley Brothers when you first hired Jimmy um, to to play with you guys and he said his uh, guitar was in a pawn shop and he had to put the strings mm-hmm. on. It, r- remind, tell yeah. tell our listeners about that how you when you that first meeting. Uh, yeah, well, my brothers were uh, looking for uh, a guitarist because uh, the guitar player that they had it suddenly quit and uh, make a long story short they uh tracked down this guy who who had a reputation for you know playing well and uh turns out he didn't have a guitar because it was in the pawn shop <laughs> and uh when they got the guitar out uh he didn't have any strings on it so <laughs> uh after he got the guitar and you know, restrung it and started playing, you know, uh, Kelly and Ronald, uh, you know, hired him like on the spot and uh, said, um, you know, you got rehearsals like like uh, a few days from now in New Jersey and you know, I can't make rehearsals in New Jersey because I don't have a place to stay. And all right, so uh, that was solved by uh, him staying at uh, our mother's house uh, where me and Marvin were mm-hmm. as kids, and uh, that's where they were. They were on their way to my mother's house, and then Kelly said, "You know, the guitar you got's a little scruffy looking, and you're gonna be playing with us. Uh, we got to get you a new axe." He's like, "Really?" <laughs> so yeah, what kind do you want? He paused. He said, "Can I have a white Stratocaster Fender?" He said, "Yes." Said, oh my God, he was full. He was too through with that. <laughs> so when he came, so when he came into the door of our home for the very first time, he had a brand new guitar that he just got that they bought him, and with a brand new case. And uh, Ma's uh, guitar player we just hired is going to be staying in the back room. His name is uh, Jimmy Hendrix. Jimmy, this is our mother. Hello, Ms. Isley, and my two little brothers, uh, Marvin and Ernie. Hi, hi. <laughs> and, um, you know, he uh, he was both a house guest and an employee, and uh, it turns out he was star of the band before the first rehearsal was over. And, uh, you know, uh I, frankly, uh, although I was 11 years old, I had never heard anybody play guitar like that. That was like March of 1963. Wow. So before the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Yeah. And uh, when, uh, as I said on CBS Morning, when uh, the Beatles played Ed Sullivan in uh, February of 64, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles, you know, I'm sitting on the couch on the left side, and my younger brother Marvin's on the right side, and Jimi Hendrix is in the middle. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles, but there was no clap of thunder above our house. Uh, you know, you don't know what the future holds. You don't know who you're rubbing elbows with. You don't know where the music business is going to go. And a few days after that was a meeting with all the members of the band, and my oldest brother Kelly took the floor, and amongst other things said, um, 
you know, this English band has changed everything, and uh, I don't even know, I don't know what it's going to be like even for Elvis himself. But I think we're going to be all right because I know the Beatles do shout and twist and shout in their repertoire, which they did. Right, right, because the Isley uh, did that first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, then Kelly said, now, they got two guitar players, but we got Jimmy. And when he said, but we got Jimmy, <laughs> I looked over at Jimmy, and Jimmy was grinning ear to ear at that remark. Uh, you know, and, th- like, you know, from that point on, um, you know, uh, he um, he played all the time. He played very well. He was I didn't understand why he was practicing so much because he was that good. Uh, but you know, eventually, uh, when it you know when it was time, when the time came, uh, he was certainly uh, ready to show his stuff. That's so awesome. And uh, but nobody knew nobody knew, you know, with with the coming of the Beatles that uh, where the music was going to go. And uh, for it to go uh, the way it went with him, you know, we were certainly um, proud to have his uh, name on uh, the Isley resume. And I know he was proud to have Isley on the Hendrix resume. Uh, And, of course, if he had been around when that lady came out, he would have probably given me something between a bear hug and a tackle (laughs) and said, how the hell did you ever learn how to... (laughs) And I would say, man, I was listening to you in the living room, you know, in the dining room. Yeah. So that's where, because that's where it started, you know. Like, you know, when you say, you know, I was already experienced in 1963. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had, a, I had a jump on everybody. You know, you got this guy living in your home for about two years, and uh, but I was not a musician when he, uh, while he was there, I really was not. Neither was Marvin. Uh, but you know, the way things, uh, go is like, eventually like the way things go. And it's, it's marvelous to, um, be a participant, uh, uh, in this show at the Wolf Trap on behalf of my family and, and me. That's, uh, that is so, that's just such an amazing story. You're making my job easier for the piece I got to produce with all these great stories. I'm sitting on the couch with Jimmy. Yeah, oh, that, oh it's man, so great. That, that's Hey man, there's tons of you know. <laughs> somebody's in your house for like two years, and he's playing guitar every day. Yeah. Did you see him? He's playing a guitar, whether it's uh, in the amp or you know without the amp. Uh, he's playing before rehearsal, during rehearsal, after rehearsal. Uh, the ironic thing was, sometimes with the band playing, uh, amongst other things, it's a whole long story, but. You know, the police would come to the house as it got, you know, near night. And, uh, Mrs. Isley, uh, hi, how are you? Uh, we're getting, you know, some, you know, inquiries and complaints from the neighbors, you know. Uh, yeah, rehearsal, you know, has uh, been going on all day. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we're standing out here as police, we're hearing a guitar. It's like, yeah. You are hearing a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> you just, yeah, yeah, you're hearing a guitar, all right? Yeah, it's true. You are hearing it. And, you know, it's just like, it's a little late. And, uh, and uh, yeah, okay, well, you know, you know, you give maybe give Jimmy an extra 
10, 15, 30 minutes and then say, okay, now you, you got to cool it. But <laughs> he was playing all the time. That's... You know, and if, if anybody had a crystal ball, you know, you run down there with a, you know, with a movie camera or sure. tape recorder or, you know, and wow, you know, much less the Isley brothers. Right, right. You know, so, uh, you know, it's, it's just an amazing thing the way that uh, everything has transpired. And musically speaking, and career-wise, was was that, was that was that what made him so great? Just how he, you know, that sort of that work ethic and and just love of doing it that he did it all that he played all the time, or is it was it kind of sort of a natural gift too? You think? I'd have to say it's a combination of things. First of all, it is a gift, certainly a divine gift, and he was inspired to hear the instrument in a certain kind of way, which was beyond the boundaries of what had seemingly been established. And he could play very well. He could flat out play. And much less if he put in all the showmanship stuff that, you know, he was, I'd see him practicing behind the back or through the leg or, or over the head or one hand or with his teeth or whatever. And then he would spring that as he was developing it um, in the live show with my brothers. Come on out here, Jimmy, and show them how it's done. You know, and be like, oh, wow. Right, right, right. <laughs> we didn't know he was going to do that. You know, so uh, it was, um, um, the whole thing was, uh, uh, since we involved uh, discovery and uh, practice and learning, I think on everybody's part, you know, involved. Um, and, uh, you know, needless to say, um, uh, it's the more you go into it, the more, in, in a lot of ways, uh, astonishing it, it would be because you have to talk about a lot of different aspects of a person's life, actually, yeah. you know, and his living. So he was, uh, he uh, had a great stage presence. He uh, played very well. He uh Learn quick, had a marvelous sense of humor, uh, and uh, had a healthy appetite. He loved uh, well, my mother. He loved my mother's cooking, so, <laughs> as we as we all did, you know. So, and in that way, he received. He was receiving from the jump. He was receiving preferential treatment from the first day. He just, you know, uh, his. Um, a gentle, harmless uh, spirit of a person. So uh, he was uh, he he was receiving uh, preferential treatment from the first day. But none of the other guys in the band got that kind of treatment. You know, they didn't particularly appreciate it. But please, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like man, that's, this person will do that for you know without knowing where it was going to go. Or how it was gonna go. Wow, that's so wild that you were there for sort of and sort of like not even the ground floor, like the ground ground floor, and watch him come up. I mean, yes. that's just that's so great. Um, yeah. it- I'm Bradley Trainer, and I'm Don McLean. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like this: A list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. If you'll indulge me for one second, uh, veering off of Jimmy just for one second, just uh, folk, just in more of a Isley Brothers question. But um, before uh-huh. before Jimmy entered entered your life, I mean, you you said you were um, you know you were you were the younger brother, obviously watching your older brothers you know, at the beginning of the Isleys, uh-huh. and you joined them later. Uh-huh. Take me back to sort of memories of of when your brothers first first uh, broke through with well, you mentioned Shout and Twist and Shout. And, shout? Yeah. Uh, oh, Shout. The, shout yeah, well, was a song. It was an original song written by the Isley Brothers, and nobody, and I mean nobody, could follow them when they did it. Uh, that Jackie Wilson couldn't follow them. Sam Cooke couldn't follow them. Otis Redding couldn't follow them. Nobody, and nobody wanted to follow them. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles couldn't follow them. So the Isley Brothers always closed the show <laughs> because of that song. You can't top that song. Because of that song. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now you put that, you put Shout, and Twist and Shout, and Jimmy Hendrix playing with the brothers. So forget about it. <laughs> forget, don't, don't, don't even bother. Don't even bother. <laughs> you know, because nobody, nobody could follow them. They could, no, no, I mean, nobody could follow them. You know, and it's a marvelous thing to know that in their roots, uh, you know, I, I ran into uh, Paul McCartney a few years ago, and, uh, you know, I, we, we both, you know, gave each other uh, bear hugs and we're both talking to each other here at the same time. And I said, Paul, you and Ringo and George, John, you guys are just wonderful. And he said, Ernie, if it were not for the Isley Brothers, the Beatles would still be in Liverpool. Wow. That is high praise. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very gracious of him. And he went on stage and said that in the microphone. Wow. And then we performed uh, Twist and Shout. The Isley Brothers, Ronald and I, uh, along with Paul McCartney and John Bon Jovi, uh, Jennifer Hudson, Usher, Richie Sambora. We did uh, Twist and Shout. It's the first time that that song had ever been performed by Isley Brothers and the Beatles at the same time. So wow. it was great. That is just that is so. I mean, talk about high praise, and it's nice that he that he said it to the crowd too. It wasn't just you know a private compliment yeah. too. You know, that's just that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that's well, so- you know, uh, amongst musicians, amongst musicians, uh, we all know what it is. Yeah. So you know, if it was like uh, Jimi Hendrix, it's like he knows what he would know what it is. You know, my brother Kelly would have him uh, if he was around. Would have him. Uh, uh, by our front door, poking him in the ribs, saying, "I told you, you know." Or, or he was watching what he was playing, you know. He, and Jimmy would be roaring with laughter. I told you, you see, Ernie was sitting in there, and now he knows how to do it, you know. And Jimmy would just be be cracking up, and tears rolling down his face, be laughing so hard. And you, you said, so, you, you know, said you he know would, the you, person. You said Jimmy would be giving you because once you, you said he once you joined the band and you did that lady, you said Jimmy would be giving you a big bear hug and say, "Oh, he can do it." <laughs> Yeah, he'd be doing. He'd be, he'd be saying, "Like, how did you ever learn how to do that? Because you never touched my guitar. You never really asked me any questions. Marvin did. Yeah, Marvin would interrupt his practicing, you know, asking questions. Yeah. 
uh, how do you know, and Jimmy, how do you know uh, when to change strings in order to get a note? Yeah. And he'd stop practicing and explain that to a, to a 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, a lot of patience, you know. And, and uh, you know, many a, a softball game was interrupted because the band was uh, in the basement and be playing uh, Twist and Shout and all my friends in the backyard we come running into the basement and Jimmy's playing and uh, he'd, uh, he'd hit a note and sustain it and look around like it's flying in the room and then reach out with his left hand and grab it and it would stop. Wow. And then he'd look over at you and wink. <laughs> oh my I mean, God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, he would go into, you know, it'd be practicing, but he'd go into some of the stage persona. You know, in in the rehearsal, man, you get you you guys would be like, "Wow, this guy!" You guys should have had him at, during your little, uh, you know, softball games in the backyard. You should have had Jimmy play the open it with the national anthem for you, like Woodstock. Well, <laughs> yeah, but at that time, you know, at that time, music you say like March of nineteen sixty three. Yeah, that's that's pre Beatles, right? That's uh, Dick Clark. Yeah. American Bandstand, mm-hmm. Paul Anka, right, right. Elvis, Fabian. It's a whole other genre. You know, Frankie Avalon, mm-hmm. Connie Francis, stuff going on at that time. And, of course, when the Beatles showed up, it changed everything. changed everything. Yeah. You know? Uh, and it never went back to what it was once, mm-hmm. once they showed up. It never went back. It only went forward. And after the Beatles, of course... 64 eventually in uh, May of 67 was Monterey and Jimi Hendrix made his uh, debut you know yeah and the rest there. the rest is history <laughs> yeah and the rest is kind of like well you know history so uh, but something all you know everything happens in a chronological order and um, you know that happened when it was time to happen and uh, it's a marvelous thing. Absolutely. And um, I mean, and I and I want our list. I mean, everyone holds up Jimmy, but I, I want our listeners to to really. I mean, we got to hold the Isleys up up on the same level, man. You guys were just as influential and important as as we've heard throughout this interview. So th- so thanks for all your guys' body of work over there. And I love that. Um, I love that you and and um and uh, Ron have been able to keep it going. Um, and I mean, even even you. Oh, God, I'm trying to even think. What was it? Oh, Contagious is what it was called. In in the recent years, yeah. you guys got another you know chart topping hit for a whole new generation take take me into 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 that yeah. and how you kind of you know reach a new generation with that oh that was uh, r kelly was a r kelly's mom was a music connoisseur and her favorite group was the isley brothers and obviously they had an influence on him and uh we uh we were working on a a record that r kelly was producing in uh, Miami at the time. And one day we came in and uh, it was something he was working on called uh, Keep It On The Down Low. And he paused and said, uh, Ronald, I was wondering if you would, you know, contribute a little something, something uh, vocally on this track. And Ronald said, yes, I will. And he said, Ernie, I was wondering if you would, you know, 
play some guitar, you know, your, your tone and all that and style on this track. And I said, sure, no problem. And uh, then he started talking about uh, he had this idea for a video with this character of uh, Mr. Biggs, and he was curious if Ronald would portray it in the video, portray Mr. Biggs. And Ronald said yes. And when Ronald said yes, R. Kelly like lost it <laughs> in terms of excitement and enthusiasm. He said, man, this is going to be a video about um, this guy's bodyguard, Mr. Biggs' bodyguard. He's got his woman. He's leaving town. He wants me to show her a good time, taking a shop and out to dinner, et cetera. And, you know, and I get involved with his lady and blah. And he's talking like a mile a minute. There's a man, I can, I, I can see this man. I know it's going to be huge. I know it's going to be great. Turned out that it was. Seriously. <laughs> and they revisited it. Then we we revisited it with Contagious uh, on uh, our record. And, um, you know, R, R. Kelly was there again. Of course, there's all of it. There's um, Bone Stucks and Harmony sampled, uh, Make Me Say It Again, Girl, for... See you at the crossroads. Uh, Ice Cube sample footsteps in the dark. With today was a good day. Yeah. Ex- explain, ex- tell, uh, explain our listeners of the how how crossroads was was actually a sample of you guys. Well, you know they uh, Bone Stucks and Harmony had this song, and they used the Isley Brothers "Make Me Say It Again" mm-hmm. as the musical background, and they rapped over top of it. Bum 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 bum. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and that was the biggest record that year in the industry was Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah. See you at the crossroads. Remember it well. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, and uh, of course you know like you start you know you go through American popular music or rock and roll or whatever and you see uh, Isley Brothers in the fine print. Everybody knows Shout. Mm-hmm. Everybody has performed it. Every everywhere. Every wedding, every yeah. year a wedding's played yeah. every yeah. time and the people all dancing you don't on have the floor. <laughs> no. You don't have a wedding without shout. You, <laughs> you don't know, you, you don't you don't have wedding crashers without shout. <laughs> right. Yeah, a movie. Yeah, yeah. A movie. So uh you know, between that and, and Twist and Shout, you know, everybody knows uh, those songs are like one two punch of mm-hmm. rock and roll is like happy birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh so we we've been fortunate to have that kind of uh, influence and impact on the industry across generations, and our style and music have changed. I mean, we just come out with a new CD with uh, Carlos Santana. So, I mean, that's another uh, moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Carlos is a fan, and of course we're fan of his, and be able to do something together, you know, it's great. It's just coming out. So, uh, you know, all that considered, you know, and then we got this thing coming up at uh, Wolf Trap on behalf of uh, Isley Brother house guest and employee who later on grew into a uh, electric guitar deity. And uh, he made a... Made a uh, uh, Perpetual, you know, you know, the electric guitar. Uh, once he came on the scene, uh, was never the same. It, it'll never, it'll never drift back to whatever it was. Yep. 
you know, but his his contribution is indelible uh, in regards to that. Absolutely. So yeah, we hope everyone uh, comes out and checks out the uh, the show on Friday at eight p.m. at Wolf Trap. Uh, just in closing, why you know um, why why should our folks come out? You know what what gets them there? Why should they come out? Yeah. Well, do you like music? Let's <laughs> <laughs> start, start start with a you know uh, the most simplistic of questions like do you like music? Yeah, that's and all you need. You come to this thing. <laughs> you, come, you come to this thing and get illuminated. Because you'll find out, oh, you know, there's fire and there's purple haze, but there's all this other stuff, including, I didn't know Jimi Hendrix's first experience in the recording studio was with the Isley Brothers. Right, exactly. I didn't know that. Exactly. I didn't know his first, the first, he, that chord that he was playing, that E chord in purple haze, that he was playing that on Testify. In 1964, I didn't know that. Right. I didn't know that uh, Jimmy was on uh, Move Over and Let Me Dance in 1965. Huh. Isley Brothers, yeah, that's pre-1967 uh, and pre-Monterey Pop. So, uh, you know, you come there and get illuminated. Yep. You find out a lot about his uh, his journey and uh, his uh, contribution, which is major. Well, there you go. We get entertainment and illumination. I loved it. I love it. Thanks you so much for, for taking the time. I mean, th- these stories are fantastic. I, I, our listeners are going to love hearing these, uh, the, you know, about you growing up and, and him being in the room in the, on the couch, and it's going to be great. So thanks great, so much. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Jason. All right. Ernie Isley on WTOP. Thank you so much. Okay, man. Take care. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.